everyone. Welcome back to the Dadcore Cinema Club. It's a podcast about the cable classic, the middle brow masterpiece. Those movies that never stop making you feel like a little baby making noise. Don't know what to do. I am your host, Brandon. Joining me as always is your other host, Charlie. Hello. Listeners, if you're listening last week, we talked about 300. Zack Snyder's 2006 historical epic is, I guess, what I'm calling it right now. More like a revenge fantasy. Go check it out. The movie's sick. It's pretty cool. Watch the movie. You don't even have to listen to the episode. Just watch the movie. And then please listen to the episode. But this week, we are joined by a very special guest. Our good friend, and I hope yours, Esme. Hi, Esme. Hi, how's it going? Pretty good. Good. Do you feel a, a longing to return? To return to Pandora? Yes. Absolutely. My heart longs. I left the theater yesterday. I still want to. I'm, this is going to be the most dejected podcast of all time. We're all <laughs> yeah. just, you know, wishing we were somewhere else. Listeners can't see us. We are wearing the blue face paint right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all have that post, uh, post-avatar post syndrome. Mm-hmm. We're laying in bed and we haven't got up in three days because we're so <laughs> depressed. I have loads to say about that, but we'll get to it. But what movie are we doing? Oh, um, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Avatar by James Cameron, the the second biggest movie of all time. First, second, Gone with the Wind. If you adjust for inflation, oh, which fair. you probably should. Yeah, Brandon. It's not that far though. It's only like, well, I mean, it's quite far. It's like four hundred million behind, I think. But Dang. in the grand scheme of things. Not that far. Uh, yeah, Avatar right. did cause a different Great Depression. <laughs> Walking out of that theater, realizing I had to go back home. Absolutely. Brandon trying to erase my cultural heritage. <laughs> Gone with the wind, the true number one. <laughs> Is that a Georgia movie? Hell yeah, dude. I don't know that I've ever seen it in full. I fucking haven't. Or I did as a kid. I think actually I have as a kid. But like I haven't seen that movie in twenty years. If I have, yeah, it had a huge premiere um, in Atlanta. In oh 30 no, we definitely owned it on VHS. I think so. I definitely watched it as a kid. You see, I'm British, so I don't have like we don't have the same <laughs> nostalgia for slavery <laughs> that you do. You know? Well, you know, they were what? happy. It's fine, <laughs> just like in the Patriot. <laughs> Man, yeah, what a wild movie, folks! Can we get back Gone with the Wind? Anyone, you know? Yeah, man. Gone with the Wind. They really were doing like return stuff in the 30s, but for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> slavery. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we're talking about Avatar. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought it to us because a movie with no, you know, cultural significance, no one talking yeah. about it, I probably would have just completely forgotten it existed. We're going to tank the Dadco Cinema Club podcast because no one's going to listen to this episode. Because no one even no, we're knows. Gonna, we're bringing is. back Avatar, is what we're doing. We're, we're oh, leading okay, the yeah, charge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have discovered this movie. No one's talking about it, but we are. If kids at home, if you haven't seen this film, you need to go out. It's in theaters right now. You might not notice it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to ask at the desk. It might not be in the menu. It's sort of like a hidden menu item, I think. So if you go to concessions, you can buy a ticket for anything you want. Just go to concessions, be like, I want to see Barbarian. Want, I want the avatar option. They'll they'll point you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You get a little wink. Yeah, they take you to the employee <laughs> break room and they got like a little projector in there. They'll show you how to play. <laughs> they know. 
So I want to talk about how I saw this movie again. Or in fact, should we talk about our histories with the movie? Because I haven't seen it since 2009. Is that when it came out? Mm -hmm. And I was 13. So you were there, though, at day one. I don't I don't know. All I remember <laughs> is that I uh halfway through had to close my eyes for about 25 minutes because it gave me a headache. <laughs> and uh you saw was it all 3D? Could you see a 2D on like original release? You could see 2D cuz yeah. not every yeah, theater yeah, yeah, had yeah, converted yeah. yet. Yeah. So as when you saw it was it the the 3D the full it was 3D, experience? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But it wasn't IMAX. It was like my local cinema. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, so yeah, you can't put that on Cameron. The headache. Well, no, I'm, and but also like the the difference between the three D uh, now and the three D then is super different. I think I, I don't know, but it felt very different seeing it now. Like if you take the glasses off in this recent release, you can kind of look at it. It's just a bit like fuzzy. But back mm. then, I remember if you like took the glasses off, it was like fucking total. Nothing. I, th- I think part of that is the difference between real D3D, which they still use in other releases of the movie. You don't go to IMAX and the difference. Like, did you see an IMAX this time? I saw an IMAX, yeah. I, I, the IMAX 3D tech is a, the, on the projector is a little bit different and the glasses are different. Yeah, uh, they, they so, feel so really different, like, actually. Yeah, IMAX 3D is uh, probably better. I haven't seen enough movies in IMAX 3D, uh, but I think, like, yeah, it's just like a, it's, it's a little bit of a different projection tech. Well, I was thinking, when was the last time either of you saw a movie in 3D? Because the last time for me would have been uh, The Force Awakens back in whenever that was. Uh, for me, it was Avatar. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. No, oh, I wow. I hated all of that 3D shit. It like really hurt my head to look at it. Didn't didn't return yeah. for more. Get Actually, head. I think maybe <laughs> I saw something in the same. I think I saw like Up in 3d maybe which was like oh 2010 God. i forgot i forgot they did that yeah and then i was like enough of that for me you see i love seeing movies in 3d when they're filmed in 3d like i loved i saw avatar in 3d when it came out in 09 mm-hmm. loved it thought like it was just like proved the tech instantly like just brings you into that world uh i saw a bunch of other movies in 3d like the following year most of them bad because most of those 3d conversions were very bad but when a movie shot in 3d it's excellent last one i saw was elite battle angel which ah. looked very good in 3d interesting it's you like know one what? of the best 3d executions i've seen it's like that hugo and avatar i saw hugo in 3d actually yeah, yeah. scorsese walked in and just like nailed it in one shot first kids movie first 3d movie in his career now that i'm thinking about it i definitely saw um the tim burton alice in wonderland in 3d <laughs> But, you know, uh, funnily enough, on on my way to see um, Avatar, the re-release on the BFI IMAX, the biggest screen in, in the whole of the United Kingdom. It's the I big saw, fucking IMAX. It's, it's, it's big. It's um, BFI. Yeah. <laughs> um, I saw a, uh, you know, one of those costume people who hang out on the street. Oh, yeah. Dressed up as, unfortunately not Ooh, as a Navi. Um <laughs> But as uh, Johnny Depp from Alice in Wonderland, it was very upsetting. It's very, really, because like no one even yeah. saw the sequel. That that series fell yeah. off almost instantly. Who is thinking about Johnny Depp's Alice in Wonderland performance that fondly? He was right outside of uh, M and M's world. 
Because like there's still there's like <laughs> my, still fondness for Jack. Sp- I could understand if he was Jack Sparrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Because there's a guy in my town who has a Jack Sparrow themed truck, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean. Yeah, I think uh, you brought that up on the podcast before. Haven't why you? not hang out with that? Um, I think but, it might uh, have been worth investigating whether or not that was just Johnny Depp. Yeah, <laughs> I can promise you, he looked a little um better than Depp's looking these days. Well, you know, celebrities get all those. Uh, good surgeries that's true that's true he's just he's he's in costume to avoid debuting his new look (laughs) i I mean i I, um yeah so brandon you went back and saw this 3d re-release also right yeah i went back to pandora charlie you saw it in the optimal way right yeah at home Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i've never seen the movie at home i've only seen it in the original 3D, shitty 3D version and the new super 3D version. See, I remember like when the movie came out and me and all my friends were like, we're going to go see Avatar, even though like Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone was like actually excited about it. It was just like something it was like the Super Bowl or something where it was just like, yeah, yeah, of course we're going to go watch that. It's what everyone's doing. Um, But I remember leaving it and being like, that was fucking incredible and thinking that it looked incredible i was like 17 or 18 um watching it at home it's just like a completely different completely Mm. different thing i can't think of another movie that like changes as drastically between the theater and at home I mean, it's so designed for the theater, and I think so designed for 3D that it's hard to imagine. I, I sat there thinking a lot about how this would play at home because I'm seeing it in this very specific and strange way, and I'm like, do these images even like make sense flat? I don't know. Like they... he took, like you got to give it to fucking James Cameron that he took this like 3D shit dead seriously. You mm. know, he's like gonna try and figure out how to make a movie that has to be in 3D, and like. I don't know. There's not many people who did it and to that level of commitment, you know. It's, it's to the level that he invented the cameras for the movie. Like he, yeah. he started, he's like, I'm going to make a 3D movie. The tech doesn't exist to do it the way I want to. I'm going to spend years inventing the tech. And all that time, I'm going to think about what kind of images that tech can handle that I can't do otherwise. Yeah. No and, one does it like him, basically. And I have to say, the, the CGI, um, which obviously is so much of the movie, uh, I thought it looked incredible. I mm-hmm. thought it looked so good, better than I think, still better than pretty much anything I've I've seen. I guess it's just because it's designed thoughtfully rather than you know. Obviously, recently we've heard all these things about the the studios working with Marvel, right? And how 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 that process is so chaotic and disorganized. But James Cameron's a fucking you know he's a visionary. He knows what he wants, and I guess that shows what happens both with three D and CGI when you fucking know what you're going for. He really yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like so the, good. Yeah, because the main thing that can, tends to sabotage a lot of new movies is when, produ- especially like it's the Disney thing, when the producers go in last minute and say six months before release, we're changing this whole CG sequence. You need to re-render it. Mm-hmm. And so it can't look good. But like Cameron's yeah. a guy who goes in and says, well, from the beginning, I know what it's going to look like. We're going to do yeah. this. Uh, and I think like the last movie that actually most recently, I think Dune kind of gets to this level of mm-hmm. bringing you into a world that feels very intentional. Uh, and that feels like it's creating images that you can't replicate at home. If you watch a dude at home, I don't think it works as well as it did in an IMAX theater. Uh, I think that's like the most recent movie that kind of feels that way as well. Where And it also doesn't cost as much as like competing blockbusters because they 
Like yeah. every shot is planned and they can they can go ahead and do what they're planning to do ahead of time. And and I have to say, um, to, to, to talk on the experience of seeing it again, I just want to say also shout out to the BFI IMAX. So, you know, like when you come into the cinema and there's like low lights, mm-hmm. all the lights were blue. So it was like seeing my Navi <laughs> brethren all around me. <laughs> uh, so that was awesome. But also I want to say that um, kind of vaguely on the topic, I don't want to go too into it because who fucking cares about the cultural relevance or whatever. I saw it mm-hmm. with a bunch of people who were... Uh, younger, older, you know, pretty, pretty broad crowd. And the second the movie stopped, people like erupted into like conversation, you know, like there was, there was like energy in that, in that room. Uh, so people still loved it. The, the, the one comment I wrote down is I had someone behind me go, I think the second one's going to be even better than the first one. <laughs> that, that emphasis on even, like it's going to be even better than, <laughs> can you fucking imagine that they make a movie better than Avatar? Uh, so that was the vibe. People, people loved it. Yeah, um, the just like getting back to watching it in like flat non three D. Like mm-hmm. I don't think it like breaks the movie in any way, but immediate like you can really tell that there are shots like intentionally composed to be viewed in a way different from like what you're viewing it on just your regular TV. Like immediately mm-hmm. too, because like one of the first things you see is Jake Sully. Uh, waking up in his little pod and there's like a yeah. tiny bead of water that like uh, the camera like racks focus to in the on, foreground yeah. that like um, yeah I don't know if you do that if you're not like just right at the beginning of the movie like trying to emphasize this 3D thing you've got going on and there's other things where like really small parts of the image are like really sharply focused um, like an arrow tip or like the little floating mm-hmm. wispies that I I'm not sure if those are like compositions that you get to if you're not um trying to highlight this 3D that you're using. Yeah, for sure. Although I I have to say about the 3D, I found it very odd because I haven't seen a movie in 3D for so long. I haven't seen a movie in IMAX. I think that the, the I've only seen two movies in IMAX, like proper IMAX screen before, which is this and uh, I think the Polar Express. God, that sounds horrifying. Uh, yeah, I remember finding it very scary. And there was a trailer before with like a knight that ran to the camera, and I like freaked out, genuinely terrified because I would have been like, I don't know, seven. Um, but yeah, so so I saw, so looking at it, that there's this weird like thick. My brain really didn't know what to do with it for a while. Everything looked like it was literally the size it was on the screen. So close-ups looked bigger, like they were bigger things than in the wide shots. I thought that was very weird because your brain is like literalizing the space in a very different way, Mm. uh, which is why I think it's like a fundamentally different viewing experience because actually the way your brain takes in those images is so different. Uh, And there's one part that super made me laugh. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, Brandon. There's one part where there's some photographs um, pinned up on like uh, a wall and the photographs have depth. Yeah, that was that was bizarre. So it was a t- yes. it's, like, it's like their magic Harry Potter moving images. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The photographs are alive for some reason. It, it's they had to do that. They had to do that, but like, why? Like, you have the ability to make so something flat in the three D image, but they made the photographs three D. It's so well in in this future. You know, they've adopted oh. Cameron's three D tech for just photographs. Also, I I did wonder like. Are they supposed to have depth, or was that just like a weird? I assumed it was an artifact, but I don't. I guess I don't know what technology is like in 2050. I'll find out yeah. soon, though. 
I guess. I really, yeah. I really like the idea that Cameron just assumes that its technology is immediately mm-hmm. going to become like <laughs> omnipresent across all photography. Everything is just going to be 3D. Why wouldn't it? And and then about the two hour ish mark, um, my brain clicked, and suddenly everything started to look more normal, and the amount of depth like notably reduced. My brain like corrected for it. I thought that was just really weird. I, I There's the weird thing in 3D it. movies where, like that does that. I think like this movie, the 3D looks weird to me for the first 20 minutes as like my eyes are getting used to it, and I'm like, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's working in some scenes, and then in some scenes, I'm seeing a little bit of separation of the image. And then by like the end of the first act, it like clicks. And then I have just two hours of in the zone of this looks incredible. There's complete depth. They do a lot of like clever shots where it's like they'll put like dust or pollen in the front of the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those like, little um, yeah. thingies. Uh, yeah, the little like uh, jellyfish uh, seeds. Yeah. The seeds uh, they'll be in the front of the camera. Lens, so it gives a sense of depth. Cameron, there's like two different ways to use 3D. There's like 3D that pops out of the screen and 3D that pops into the screen. And Avatar focuses. It's It's like entirely... Things are going. You're looking into a, a picture. You're looking into like a, a picture box. Looking into like. A, I mean, that's the point of the movie, diorama. right? It's it's a world you want to reach into. Cameron yes. doesn't need to fucking pull it out and do the, you know, do do do, you know, get the little ping pong ball or whatever. Um, <laughs> doesn't yeah, need this that isn't shit. A, it's what, like Friday of the Thirteenth 3D. Did they do a 3D one of those? I'm sure they did. Yeah, gimmicky 3D horror movies. It's not one of those. Have you Just... seen um the trailer for Albert Brooks's Real Life? No, but I've seen the movie. Uh, the trailer is fucking hilarious. Uh, it's like a fake 3D trailer, and it comes up on the bottom like 3D is not 3D glasses not available in your screen. So they're doing all the like gimmicky 3D effects, but obviously <laughs> it's just like a totally <laughs> fucked. It. Everyone check that out on YouTube. It's really it's funny. It's nothing to do with the movie. Uh, it's just a great, great little trailer. Oh, uh, one thing that I also wanted to ask you too about um, was one thing I noticed that I hadn't real it hadn't really stuck in my brain before is a a technique the movie uses a lot is these like really quick zooms almost like mm, you're seeing, i like, want to a, talk about yeah, this yeah like a documentary footage would you to like capture an image really quick and i was curious how all of the cg and 3d elements like play in those moments when it's zooming really quickly well, I just want to point out that that was very much like a trendy thing at the time. I think you remember the Hurt Locker did that a lot for its like hyper. District Nine did that a bunch. Yeah, I was District thinking Nine, District Nine um, also. A bit later, but Man of Steel does that as well mm-hmm. in the action oh, scene. Oh, Zack Snyder loves that trick. Yeah, uh, I think it's a strange technique. I, I, I'm not so so like the visual strategy. I think Cameron goes for for a lot of the movie. The, there are those shots where he moves through the space, but they don't have that sense of like. Um, omniscience it's not like you know those kind of like david finchery panic yeah. room shots where it's moving through that a lot of the movie is handheld um and obviously doing those crash zooms those like documentary-ish looking things his like visual strategy seems to be to shoot it like it's real um which i think is a strange strategy considering some of the thematics of the movie in pandora mm-hmm. uh but i mean Again, I, I I think there's only like two or three shots in the movie where I found the CG like off in a distracting kind of way. Um, I think it really, again, it's just he's done the work, right? He's done the the the, the work. right. Yeah, and like um, those crash zooms are kind of they. You wonder if they play in 3D. They look fine in 3D. It, it's not yeah, like yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it doesn't move too fast and disrupt your eye or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the way it's shot really grounds the world. It's a big part of 
making this place feel real. So much mm-hmm. of this movie is about creating a, a world that you want to visit that feels completely realized. And the way it's shot really contributes to that or the way that it's even written when it comes to the animals. The fact that like we see, we see an animal and the movie kind of stops to explain, Hey, like that, that's, that's the, how that animal operates. That's how that animal's little culture is. This is how you respect it. And it treats its world and its creatures like a nature documentary. And mm-hmm. like the first mm-hmm. 90 minutes of the movie, like the first half is dedicated to learning about the ecosystem of Pandora and the culture of Pandora. So in that way, it's kind of um, in the lineage of uh, the Lion King live action remake. Mm, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, actually, I, I, I want to kind of not push back, but I have a slightly different read on, on, on the way the animals are. Mm-hmm. Not sure. I absolutely agree. But but I think actually what's quite interesting is that there's not a huge amount of detail in each animal and, and they'll show them first. And there's a lot of stuff that isn't explained, which I think is cool. Like, um, I, I don't feel like I have a super vivid sense of like the ecosystem of Pandora, which mm-hmm. I think is part of the point, right? Because you want to, if you want to go, there has to still be things to discover right like uh it can't just be here is everything so i think it's an interesting amount of like not ambiguity exactly but kind of like they they don't go into super there's not like this is what this does this is what this does. This is all about like when we're getting to the big montage near the end where all the the navi come together there's like here's five other tribes of navi and they might mention them offhand i don't remember but it's like there's a lot of stuff that's not he doesn't spend a lot of time, even though it's a very realist kind of way of shooting the movie, he doesn't spend a lot of time laying out all the pieces of, of that world in super clear detail, which I think really works. Well, yeah, it's not overexplained. I guess what I was just getting at is it's not like a, a typical sci-fi movie. We land on the planet. He fights. Uh, oh, there's a giant like rhino and he has to fight it. It's like, no, we stop and we say just like brief few lines of, oh, it's showing a thing of dominance. Just yeah, it'll back down. Or we get to the dogs and the dogs attack him. And it's not just like, oh, these are these are monsters that you have to defend yourself against. It's like, no, they're creatures that you disturbed by making noise and, and lighting a fire. Uh, mm-hmm. And we get these like brief little nods. Uh, it's just like one or two lines for each creature. But it's something that just goes like, this is a being to be respected and not just a monster obstacle in your way. Absolutely, absolutely agree, yeah. I think to this like, the visual styling works thematically towards what james cameron is doing um as like painting these corporate and militarist bad guys as like only bad and like totally unsympathetic because like Mm -hmm. you get uh like giovanni rubisi who's just like having a ball in this movie like being a shithead hang on sorry i don't know who anyone is is he the the kind of shorter guy He's like the CEO. He's, he's the, like the head guy who's in charge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like he's does not give a shit about nature. He's trying to get the unobtainium. You have Stephen Lang, who's just constantly saying that like uh, Pandora is like hell. It's like hell out there. And uh, but then like every time Cameron is actually showing Pandora, it's so loving and it's like so mm-hmm, magical. Mm-hmm. You get like you have no opportunity to even consider like siding with the bad guys of the movie because they're just so obviously wrong based on like the visual presentation of 
this whole planet. I, I love that uh, Stephen Lang, is that his name? The, the colonel mm-hmm. guy. He looks like fucking Guile from Street... He literally has the amount of, like, character shading as, like, Guile from Street Fighter 2. Like, there's two lines of dialogue before you go into the battle. You know, that's the level of, like, uh-huh. shading on these I, villains. I love He his looks so good. So he looks like a cartoon character. He's got incredible screen presence. He's got a great look. He, he, like the scars on his face are so cool. He just looks and acts exactly like the guy from Toy Soldiers, the little soldier. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> like I think his outfit is exactly the same as the little toy from Small Soldiers. I mean, all I, I don't think there's any character in the whole movie who goes much further. I mean, the main character who we have not mentioned, well, we've only very briefly mentioned Jake Sully, as as the Navi <laughs> called them, or, or, or Jake Sully, as 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 us, uh, as us, uh, not blessed uh, enough to be born Navi, uh, might say, <laughs> or not part of um, the people. Yeah, exactly. The Ametakai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, who is like he's a a soldier who. Uh, can't use his legs and then he goes into that avatar i i would like i'd really like to talk about the avatar system that the process of what that is oh you mean the, he gets in the eva yeah yeah well well there's <laughs> this is an interesting thing actually the comparison between him going into the kind of i guess it's an artificial navi body right it's mm-hmm. not like a dead navi they've they've brought back the lab yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at versus, so they contrast that with um, the Colonel guy, fucking, I don't remember, um, going into an actual, like, normal anime mech. I think it's kind of interesting that, because that, both of them are like acts of technology. The Navi are literally, the, the, the avatars are literally artificial bodies. I think it's interesting that, that Cameron is drawing such a contrast between that. Um, he's not like saying, uh, um, well, he is obviously saying nature's good and technology is kind of bad, but but I think it's interesting that 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 is um, that there is some good in the technology in that way, you know. Mm-hmm. Even if the final way that's resolved is through the kind of magical adjacent Navi stuff, I th- I just find that quite a strange uh, kind of contrast. But the magical Navi thing is also just like science. Like, that's Sigourney true. Weaver that's is true. like trying to do metachlorians on their whole shit the whole time she's like oh this is uh like a network and it's measurable it's like shut up it's uh, th- magic. This, this, is, magic. this is where where the movie kind of loses me a little bit i think that's where the visual style starts to become a bit of a problem it speaks to like a lot speaks to a larger problem it doesn't become a problem because it always works um that that cameron has a little bit too he's a little bit too literal minded you mm-hmm. know like the it's not that the Navi should be respected. I mean, also he loves the Navi and he loves the like magical feeling of it. But to fully validate that, they have to be like literally and actually correct about like, oh, everything's connected. You know, they have this kind of generic Native American kind of uh religion-y thing, new age, blah, blah, blah. Uh but 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 that everything's connected, right? And then that turns out to be literally the case. I feel like that's a little <laughs> bit of a like limit of his imagination of, of a guy who loves fucking tech too much. I was gonna say James Cameron is very much uh great. He loves nature. He spent like before this like 10, 20, 10, 15 years just like exploring the ocean because he that's what he like, cares about. Yeah. But all so he he's but as much as he loves nature, he's very much an I fucking love science guy uh, at his core. <laughs> That was his intro to movies was technology. So I think like that's always going to seep through. But yeah, you're right. It, it is like 
it it literalizes the you know if you look at dances with wolves they don't have to go well actually technically our scientists can prove that native american spirituality is true right oh we prove oh the native americans are good because we prove their gods are real like with math Mm -hmm. here look at this Mm -hmm. uh but you know with james cameron he's like well i have to the world is a brain but it's slightly more complicated because the person who says that, Sigourney Weaver, so when she gets shot later in the movie, we're jumping all over the place, whatever. When she gets shot later in the movie, um, she uh, they try to transfer her to a Navi body, but it doesn't work for her like it eventually will later in the movie. I feel like that's kind of a movie kind of retribution. You know, She kind of didn't believe enough to get transferred over. And, and There's obviously so- literal reasons, but I think that's the kind of thematic yeah. reason she doesn't get and i think it's important that. that we don't like they can say like oh we we know that a part of this is true but we literally don't understand how it works so we don't understand anything more yeah so i think yeah. there's like it's still kind of like has this balance of oh we can prove an aspect of it because she goes and she talks to the to the corporate team and says hey you can't blow up this tree like it's it's a networking point to to attach to their spirits uh, of their ancestors like they need this for spiritual reasons and the Giovanni Ribisi's like, can you prove it? And she's like, well, we know that it sends electrical signals. And he's like, can you prove it? And there's this element of like, she she has theories and she understands like that there's an electrical signal that goes to the planet, mm-hmm. uh, but not how it works. So like there is still, it tries to like still hold on to the magic of like, well, we can't explain it. Yeah, I think a little bit. The Sigourney Weaver, them trying to save her thing is strange too, because it works as a mechanism to set up that they're like, is uh, some kind of way for yeah. our white guy protagonist to literally become a Native American at the end of the movie? He can do it like, all if he wants. It, yeah, very hey. weird. I'm not <laughs> I mean, like thinking through the like implications of what the movie is saying with that is uh, a, lo- a lot going on, I think, that I don't know I, I if mean, Cameron that, considered. I think we have to um, kind of just briefly kind of hit on the the uh, issues with the Navi themselves. Because uh, obviously they're Native American. I mean, Navi is like native. You know, it's like <laughs> the, the, the names of this movie are so brilliantly uncreative. You know, obviously everyone talks about unobtainium, which is like a... But even Navi is kind of like, well, yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, what's that god called? It's it's, cl- it's not far from Yahweh. Ewa. Yeah, Ewa. they go Yahweh, basically. Just change a few letters. Um, Do you know Giovanni uh, Ribisi's character's name? The corporate guy? It's probably like Mr. Big Boss or something. No, it's <laughs> Parker Selfridge. <laughs> <laughs> president Business. You know? Yeah, he's um, president business. <laughs> I, hey, I, my name is Selfridge because I'm selfish. Hmm. It's ha- that's kind of Harry Potter naming, right? Yeah. The even Jake Sully, like his last name is like a nick. It's not Sullivan. It's just Sully. Like he's just your buddy. He's Sully. It all feels um, very like placeholder first draft things that they just never got around to. Which is amazing because the movie in production for like over ten years. Uh-huh. <laughs> And and of course, some parts of it are so amazingly well imagined. You know, I think it's very interesting that the the, the kind of well, I mean, that's true of the movie overall because basically the plot is like, you know, it's pretty like standard stuff. You know, uh, it's just what it's it's just the 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 notes he doesn't play. You know, it's the way he right, tells yeah. it in the movie Jazz. itself. Like in in my notes that I kept like going over and kept thinking about since rewatching it because I haven't rewatched it since oh nine. 
Uh, so I yeah, watched it in the theater, loved it. Uh, came back to like it came out during my freshman year, the break between uh, semesters, winter break. Come back to school, everyone's talking about it because everyone saw it while they were home for for winter break. Uh, really liked it, but I've put it. I've watched bits and pieces since then. Like I bought the Blu-ray and I use it to. I'll, I'll put it in and watch like the scene where they blow up the tree. You watch like, the sex scene over and over and, again. Yes, I watch the sex scene over and over on the special edition. Uh, but um, no, I watch. I actually tend to watch a scene where they blow up the tree. I'm like, that tree blows up real good on this TV. And then I get a new TV and I watch it again. And that's it. So I haven't watched it since then. And then going back to it, I keep thinking about um, how this movie contrasts to other white savior movies like Dance with Wolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I think one way in which it works and is like different than those movies is that there's like, there's this element with dance with wolves where like he could always just go back to a, a city and live his life. He could always just, he doesn't have to like, he, he doesn't have to succumb to, he doesn't have to be like, uh, he doesn't have to like be with the natives if he doesn't want to, like he can just go to town mm-hmm. and be like, Oh, I'm one of you again. In this movie, like Jake Sully, like at the end, just jumping to the end, uh, Jake Sully, like he gives up everything, right? He like gives up every he like gives up all attachment he has yep. to being a human. There is a a, a complete uh, throwing himself over and just becoming in a way that he can't go back from in a way that mm-hmm. doesn't exist in our world, right? And I think that's a it's a way of him trying to like adjust for sort of how uh, troublesome like white savior narratives can be. Is it's like well this he actually does have a cost of what he's doing. Like he does throw everything away. Which makes it feel a little bit better than something like Dances with Wolves, I guess. I mean, I'm curious. Obviously, this is not the intention. But I feel like you could do a pretty decent trans reading of some of this stuff. I know? was thinking about that, too. Um, I don't have much to say about it, even <laughs> though I, I probably should. But I just think it is there. I want to pick your brain about that, because I had a scene in mind. Uh-oh. When Jake Fritz first gets in the body, because he talks about his legs not working anymore. And how, mm. like, he talks a lot in the movie about how he, like... He still calls himself a Marine or a warrior, right? He still sees himself as a fighter, but he can't move. He insists on still, like, not having anyone help him. Like, he still sees himself as someone who, like, could be able-bodied. When he comes back into his, when he gets into his avatar body, Mm -hmm. there is this moment of elation in in the body that he saw himself as always all along, right? Yeah. That scene where he runs out and he won't stop because he can use his legs and he can finally be the thing that he sees himself as inside. So good. And and something I want to make a really, really important distinction in that, that, Mm -hmm. that, that arc is there's a point later in the movie when he's kind of lived amongst the Navi for a while and the Colonel guy offers him uh, his legs back. So you, you know, you've done a good job, kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can get your legs back. And he's like, I I just got to finish this. It's not, it's not, the movie is not going, it's a person who's disabled who gets yeah. to feel happy that they're abled again. It is mm-hmm. more than that. It, it is deeper than that. It, I think, it, and I think what's in, it kind of starts that way, right? He starts out of like, I love being in this body. And then it, slowly he falls in love with the culture and it becomes something more. Yeah. So I think like that trans reading, I think kind of like disappears at like the second half. Cause it becomes less about um, his independent individual feelings and arc and becomes more about like this greater, uh, well, I would disagree, actually, because I, I would say you could say uh, that's like being uh, going into the 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 female bathrooms for the first time, for example, right? Because 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 being changing your your um, uh, your gender or whatever, uh, not really changing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
it's, it's not just about the internal process, but it's a, as much about being treated as, right? And so mm -hmm. he uh, is like treated as a Na'vi. And that is really what fulfills him is, is living in the world as a Na'vi, not just the physical, because, you know, people's um, mm -hmm. physical transitions happen in lots of different ways. Some people want to have a full op, some people uh, don't, right? And, and I think that's um, because cause so much of it is like the actual living experience of being A. So I actually think it does work on that level and as he, well. And the half of when he starts getting external validation as well, right? That's yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's like a big, like, contextual difference that the sci-fi element makes, like, of avatar to something like like the last samurai or something is that mm -hmm. in avatar there is this path to like genuinely becoming this thing and not mm -hmm. just kind of like always like play acting in it or like trying to be an advocate or an ally that like like tom cruise is never going to be a japanese guy but jake sully can actually become well i don't know <laughs> and what's that james uh, bond movie where he gets the surgery you know <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and this is also just another thing that comes up watching this movie 13 years later because i wasn't thinking about jake sully's arc in terms of like transition 13 mm -hmm. years ago um but now 13 years later having like more trans friends that i talk to on a regular basis it was something that was on my mind and i was like i was like i wonder if that reads there as i was watching which did not think about any other time i've seen it before yeah, you can also, like, see Jake slowly realizing that he, like, doesn't really give a shit about, like, what his life was before. Like, at one point, he's like, what, the Navi are going to give all this up for blue jeans and light beer? He's, like, mm -hmm. uh, once he's, like, once he gets woke, he's very ready to, like leave behind all of this shit of his but that's a really important part of of the the, the trans experience right is, is a lot of people have this very severe cutting off from their previous life because that was the life when you were uh you know a different person so to speak and so you actually that life becomes so meaningless that it, uh, it's a, a best meaningless or worst burdensome and he's totally like he, you know he i think he literally says that 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 um, his real life doesn't feel real anymore. You mm -hmm. know? There, there's a line where he says, I think I wrote it down. Um, he says, everything is backwards now. Like out there is the true world and in here is the dream. There you go. Which like, if you're taking a literal trans reading of this, you could almost read this as when he's outside of the avatar box is when he is um, having to present as human, which is a lie at that point to himself mm -hmm. when he's talking around his friends. So it's like, I guess, being in the closet around your family and not around friends. Well, yeah, yeah. Almost totally. is what he's experiencing there. And like something like that is so close to um, like the way Neo talks in The Matrix, which has like an explicitly sure. yeah. trans yeah. reading. Yeah. So maybe, you know, James Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever need to talk, James. James Cameron. Yeah. Um, you love technology. There's a lot of good so medical true. technology these days, James Cameron. <laughs> I think with between this and Crimes of the Future, you know, it, it's kind of like old men coming to some strange realizations about themselves. It's good. You love to see it. Uh, uh, also, Absolutely. I mean, Charlie Kaufman too. Often, I've, I've people read his work in that regard too. A lot of old uh, writers mm. and directors. Well, there's there's this whole like type of 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 artist who's really obsessed with women in in the sense of like 
like Ingmar Bergman is one who I have I have some some secret suspicions about. There's such an obsession with the idea of I mean persona, right? Come on, um, th- th- there's like a type of artist who's so obsessed with like woman as concept as well as as people, and then often they're they're great creators of of of, of art that imagines women's inner lives. You know, I think I think there's probably some connection with that. I, I would imagine. I think, kind of um, moving off of this a little bit, but um just thinking about like the things that jake is so ready to reject um like food like breakfast yeah mm-hmm. well like shaving. what the 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 blue jeans and light beer thing specifically i think places this in like a very american uh you know space and i was thinking about it a lot uh, because Sam Worthington's Australian accent is like trying so hard to fully bust out throughout the whole movie that I was like, why didn't they just let him be Australian? Uh, But I think it is important that like all of these uh, like private security guys are like ex US uh, military. I think some of that is like um, obviously the Native American aspect. One of my favorite images in the whole movie, I just thought was really neat. Uh, is like when they first come onto Pandora and you see the big ass tank rolling around the huge wheel and you see the the Navi arrow in there, which is very much like an old Western kind of image, you know. Except it's like a it's this like gigantic city sized <laughs> crawler. Yeah. And the arrow's nine feet long. James Cameron's like, big things are cool. Yeah, yeah. dude. How when's I haven't seen a vehicle that big. Like between Avatar, I think the next time I saw a big vehicle that big in a movie was Dune, I think. Mm-hmm. Or at least one that movies. felt that big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta put big vehicles. I have to feel like this is a Tonka truck I want to own as a kid. That's what I gotta like see. I'm like, I, w- I want this toy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the sandbox. But about the Americanness, that had me thinking a lot coming out of this movie that I think we accidentally made a thematic trio with our last three episodes of how America presents itself in recontextualizing history in big blockbusters. And we started Mm -hmm. with the Patriot, which was uh, America looking back on its uh, revolution and really making the British out to be about as evil as they've been in films. But since, you know, they haven't been more evil in a movie between uh, the Patriot and RRR basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we went to, which was a pre 9-11 movie. Uh, where yeah. that doesn't come across as like a recruitment ad because of when it released. Seven years later, we you know, 300 comes out and it is looking at the Spartans versus the Persians, which reads as a clear allegory for the Iraq war, reads as a clear pro, we need to go to war with Iraq. Hey, hope maybe Iran. That's what it reads like, especially coming out under the like second Bush term. It reads like mm-hmm. a pro-Iraq war movie. Whether or not that's the intention, it's how it reads contextually. But three years later, Avatar comes out in the first Obama term. Mm, Avatar mm. comes out as, and what and something important that happened in the second Bush term was people turned against the Iraq War. Yeah, and Avatar Wait, comes out what? three years. Yeah, turns out it was bad. <laughs> turns out. Um, I don't. I don't remember any of that. So Avatar, you're still private after all this time. Yeah. In yeah, my I, bunk- I don't know why we left. Everyone in my uh, bunker was like still very pro Iraq War at that point. <laughs> but um, so 2009, this movie not only is it's it's about colonialism, right? The Navi are clear 
allegories for Native Americans. And the yeah. uh, soldiers coming in are clear allegories for the American army driving them out, right? But it's also a direct allegory for the Iraq War. We're there to get unobtainium. We're there to get oil. Where their mm-hmm. corporate interests are leading our drive there. This is hot during the period of people talking about how, oh, we went to go secure oil fields for oil companies. Um, you know, maybe watch this movie alongside Vice. You know, these are these are a pairing of movies. Don't watch Vice. Uh, <laughs> but this movie, like, it's explicitly an anti-Iraq War movie. It may be mm-hmm. the earliest one of those that could have released, and is like written so that you cheer for the death of American soldiers by the end of it. And that's what feels yeah. so bold to me. We were still on a rock at the time. Pretty fucking brutal deaths too, like yeah. getting a fucking arrow right through them and getting multiple fucking... arrows. Your ship blowing up. A guy gets crushed by multiple bombs. Oh, the boxes. That's oh, yes. that's brutal. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And at the end of the movie, it tricks you into like not even tricks you. It encourages you to to cheer for the deaths of what are the equivalent of U.S. Uh, military personnel at a time when we were at war in an allegory about that war, about how that war is evil and about how the native population we were invading for resources should have like fought us off, which strikes me as an extremely bold choice. And it also has kind of in, in relation to what we were talking about a little bit before, it has such an optimism to it. The idea Mm -hmm. that, that Jake can actually like, change into something meaningfully different literally a different thing mm-hmm. that's a definitely like a kind of obama era optimism about yeah. the country yes. that definitely doesn't uh, exist anymore uh, that's interesting because i didn't think of it that way um and i found the 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 resources part kind of interesting because i think one of the things that in its kind of cartoonishness i found interesting is that because it plays the military as very literalist thinking. You know, uh, the whole thing that the bad guy's saying in the final scene to to, to Jake is, wake up, you know, you got to get real. Um, but um, at the... Sorry, I've fucking lost my chain. It's like, <laughs> um, uh, it sounded really compelling though, right? Well, um, yeah, the, uh, his, one of his, like, final readings into his video log, Jake says, and the aliens return to their dying world. That he yeah. has like fully adopted uh, the Navi viewpoint. Like, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> and like- uh, yeah, so that's it. I remember what I wanted to say. Um, so the but by his like literal imagining, I do think because obviously the Native American parallel is so mm-hmm. obvious, and they even make this slightly dodgy, you know, Native American sound. That's a bit that made me a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but. Um, when you read it that way, I, I think something that might be missing is 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 I think his understanding of that American imperial way of thinking because Manifest Destiny is a uh, mm. explicitly and unexplicitly very religious way of thinking. Uh, I think that's kind of a limit of his perspective. I think his understanding of America is uh, a little too literal mm. as opposed to a movie uh, that I want to talk about, actually. I don't know if you've ever seen called Brigadoon. Have you seen I've seen the play. Really? Okay, well, there you go. I've seen a local um, production of Brigadoon. <laughs> so it's a movie from the 1950s by uh, Vincenti Minnelli, the last movie he made with Gene Kelly. And it's about this kind of bored middle, uh, like upper middle class guy who uh, discovers he's going hunting in Scotland and he discovers a world that appears from uh, from the fog called Brigadoon where everything's the past and everything's perfect and, and old. Um, and after he... 
and, and it's it disappears for a hundred years and only comes back for one day at a time, right? So it's it's perfectly stuck in time. It's similar to it's very similar to Pandora because once um, Gene Kelly leaves, uh, he has this emptiness. Life feels less real after he he lives that world is real and this world is the dream right uh mm. exactly the same kind of dynamic but what that movie does the avatar doesn't is it understands the fundamentally like religious aspect mm. of that brigadoon is an explicitly religious place and the fantasy of going back is explicitly religious mm. in a way i don't think avatar quite captures it's a again the, the literalism gets a little bit in the way of conveying that idea on both sides, on the, the side of Jake Sully and why he wants to be there and on the side of America and that kind of imperialist ideology. I think that comes from like, it's conflating. So American colonialism or, or American just our expansion when we, when we colonized uh, North America and then expanded West, it's conflating that idea, that um, story, uh, that allegory yeah. with also like a modern, why did we, why do we invade countries today, which is for resources and it's conflating the two things at once. Yeah, I think that's why you, you, you're saying that, because it didn't come to my mind, mm -hmm. is, is, uh, is helpful in understanding the movie a little bit better, I think. Because if you think of it rurally in terms of Native American, now it has that whole, but that, that kind of explains it a little bit. And one thing that connects it, a couple things that I they, they've specifically mentioned shock and awe at one point. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, they basically bomb uh, schools and hospitals. Like, they, they do the, like, there's women and children in there. Oh, we're going to bomb it anyway. It, it's very much the we're launching drone strikes on like Iraqi schools. Well, I was curious about the part where they talk about building the Navi schools and stuff. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that has like an analog. I, I genuinely don't know. I just thought it was an interesting uh, they, th that it shows the kind of attempts at cultural imperialism in other ways is also neat. Um, showing that education is an imperialist tool. It's a pretty fucking, uh, you know, uh, woke thing for cameron to recognize yeah i like too that he's it's not like the u.s government that's doing this it's like a private corporation has been setting up these mm -hmm. schools and like it's not actually the marines that are in there killing people it's like a private security firm for this unobtainium corporation that's like fully and armed and killing people that's how he gets away with letting you cheer for them losing is because he's like oh they're not the u.s military it's a bunch of people who were former military who got hired on but they're like an analog for wink it's wink. super different guys don't worry about it <laughs> it's uh, he's been doing it since like unlike unlike the real american military there's some business interests you know yeah because you mean like aliens being a vietnam movie but instead of m marines it's marines but they work for the Whalen yutani corporation i mean i do mm -hmm. i don't think he's like necessarily doing that to like let the u.s military off the hook it just reads to me that like no, he no, had no, it, no, it like he's very clear-eyed about how entangled uh you know the military is with private uh you know business interests i think he's doing two things he's making it so because audiences are more likely to enjoy the movie if he's not saying u.s yes. marines are dying and but he two, has the characters call each other marine yes <laughs> like, uh, very, I mean, they call them colonial marines and, and aliens as yeah. well and and two i think He's he's making his uh, allegory more palatable, and also like he's speaking toward, like you said, the entangling of corporate and military interests. I think it's important in, in Avatar when you look at the elements of it that seem like an allegory for Iraq is that idea of corporations are leading the reason that we're going after resources. 
And and Cameron is like an audience-centric guy, I think. He thinks mm-hmm. very much about how people would react to the movie. And so I think that and, and like the very simple narrative structure of the movie is 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 by design, you know? I mean, his his movies in a lot of ways have have got I mean, they got more narratively complex from obviously the very beginning and then kind of got simpler and simpler and simpler down to like the, the raw Hollywood cliches, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that this movie kind of is, but 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 it has so much space in between to have other stuff in it, but it has a very presentable, understandable kind of movement and, 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 and structure. And what's fascinating about that is like, about like the, th- the themes of this movie is that Cameron, when it showed, he toured it to indigenous groups. Right. And then he, afterward, he went and like, started joining protests at like pipelines and stuff. Like he was a very involved, I not only did I make this movie, but I believe in the message behind this movie that mm-hmm. I made. Mm-hmm. This is not just something I made and now I'm going to sit back. My statement's been done. It was like, oh, I'm going to actually use this promo tour as an opportunity to say, hey, the issues in this movie matter. And this is the literal allegory I'm drawing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a movie from the fucking heart, you know. You have to, you have to say that. Like, one because no one wanted to make it that much, you know. That there's articles recently, but although it's quoting stuff from before, uh, where he, you know, the studios were like, "This sounds stupid and dumb," <laughs> and he's like, "Fuck you! I made, you know, I made Titanic, so I get to do what I want." And yeah, he gets to do what he wants, and he gets to make Avatar two through five or however many he's filming, um, and everyone goes, "No, no, no! There's they're going to be a flop," and. Look, I, I was I was I was there at this 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 um re-release and people fucking loved it and people are gonna love the second one. No well, doubt in That's mind. what he's doing with Jake Sully too. It's like we've tried to relate to the Navi with scientists, we've tried to relate <laughs> to them with these uh you know, business people and the military, but what it really takes to relate is just like Dumb an man. empty brain. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. gotta send out a hollow shell, an empty cup to be filled up. And I think part of why it resonates so much, and especially now, I think people are uh, really ready for this movie now and the second one, is because it exa- that that sincerity puts it in a very different register to blockbusters now. Because you think, what are the big uh, blockbuster movies of the year? Um, I think of Top Gun, right? Uh, Top Gun is a movie that uh, is the opposite of Avatar in many ways. Avatar has a world that it wants you to come into. And in Top Gun, I think almost like crimes of the future the world is like openly artificial because mm. because the point of the movie is to read it in in reference to tom cruise and it's impossible not to read it in reference to tom cruise the literal guy that is what the movie's about it's not about and that's why all the like political readings of of top gun maverick don't resonate with anyone real i mean they do a bit there, there is stuff to say about it but broadly speaking those those readings everyone's like eh. You know, it doesn't make sense because that's not what the movie is it's not about fucking pilots it's about tom cruise making movies uh, elvis elvis is uh, a big biopic but it's told from the perspective of a liar the point the interesting part of that movie is that it's the biopic cliches told through a fantasist you know through a delusional huckster and so it's kind of presenting those cliches as as, as the artifice they are um and you take pleasure in that artifice if you take pleasure in it you know um but avatar is fucking about pandora and pandora's fucking real bro you gotta go <laughs> it's from the heart it's driven by in some of the those other movies you named were driven by otors who were like designing something from yep. their heart of, of course baz Luhrmann and tom cruise the two otors that drove those two movies um of course and but like not 
in a way, like you said, like with the, Hey, this is a story that I need to get off my heart. This is something that's meaningful to me. That's expressing something to the world. Um, but also they, they very, they very point back to the, the construction of themselves Mm -hmm. in a way that avatar is very, very clearly the visual style, the quality of the CGI, the way that the 3d goes in, uh, the, the narrative of the movie about getting sucked into Pandora. The whole thing is about losing yourself. It's about escapism as like, the hollywood thing because i think um one of the things i want to say one of the early lines you hear is uh we're not in kansas anymore this is pandora right and and that's painting it as an oz like other world but it's also uh you know uh the wizard of oz is the most fucking on cinema ass like movie movie it's the movie that makes you think about just movies as a general idea and escapism, right? I mean, that's what the movie is about textually. That's what the movie exists as. And I think like part of that that avatar process is like you imagining yourself as someone else. As you're watching, you know, Casablanca on the big screen, <laughs> folks, and you see Humphrey Bogart and, you know, you would have been movies. just like here. You know what I mean, though? Like yeah. it's, it's that like escapism and that projecting yourself into a main character because Jake Sully is, is not, the, even though he's a disabled veteran which seems quite specific he's a pretty unspecific character from the jarhead clan that was a good bit um he's quite an unspecific character it's very easy to like Mm. fill yourself into you know i think that's explicitly part of the project of the movie to be escapism and about escapism but in a way that doesn't like go pointed it because it's trying to be effective as possible escapism imagine if this movie had done a wizard of oz stuff with the 3d and they made all the scenes at the beginning on earth in 2d <laughs> and then go to 3D on Pandora. Think about that. Damn. Uh, Tron Legacy does that. That was amazing. That's another good 3D. Oh, movie. really? Tron Legacy. All of the stuff in the real world is 2D, and all the stuff inside the computer is 3D. From the sick. director of Top Gun Maverick. The director of Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> so apparently, like the casting of Worthington, like it was intentional to have him be just kind of like a blank every man to project Cypher. himself on. And I actually think he's really like, I think he's really good in the movie. Uh, I forgot. Cause I remember the years after this being like, he's kind of boring and everything, but rewatching this movie, going back to it, I'm like, he is really compelling as this character. It's a blank character, right? Mm-hmm. On purpose. But as that audience insert character, I believe him when he's falling for, uh, it's Natiri. It's Zoe Saldana of, of Guardians of the Galaxy fame. It's Natiri. She's real. Uh, yeah. She is real. I believe uh, when he's falling for, like, I, I believe him in this role. I think he's I think he's pretty good. It reminded me that, like, oh, Sam Worthington, like, this movie made me think, like, oh, he's a good actor. Well, I, I mentioned this briefly, I think, before we started recording, that I don't think I've seen Sam Worthington in anything. So when I look at that face, that is Jake Sully to me. <laughs> and when I saw this movie for the first time in, like, fucking 12 years, I'm like, good to see you again, Jake. You know, <laughs> he is just Jake Sully. That I actually, that's an interesting thing I think 3D does. Because of the literalizing effect of 3D, of you looking like you're seeing a real thing and your brain telling you that, I think it um, causes... Um, do you to see these things as like actually there? I don't think about like even Sigourney Weaver, who's super famous. I look at I look at the three D image of 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 her character, and I, and I kind of think that just is what it is, you know, because it's so literal. And like, what what better image can a movie create than Sigourney Weaver smoking in three D? Man, I love True. people smoking in space and on spaceships. I was I was thinking about that while watching the movie. I'm like, is, are they going to smoke in Avatar two? No. 
Because Sigourney Weaver is the only one who smoked in the movie, to be fair. But also, it's now under Disney, and they don't like people smoking in movies. And it's also yeah. 13 years later. That's I was thinking, I'm is this is this movie on Disney Plus? And if it is, yeah. does she smoke in it? Uh, it was on Disney Plus, uh, and then they took it off for the re-release. But I don't know if she smoked in the Disney That is such a... That's something to be on the lookout for yeah. when they put it back up. So how did you watch it if you didn't watch it on... Did you just have to rent it? Yeah. Did you rent it? I did rent it. I've I've had a lot going on, you know. Mm-hmm. Give me a fucking break. I, I all I was suggesting is that you pirated the movie and stole from James Cameron's pocket. No, if I'm going to watch James Cameron on this podcast, it doesn't even have to be no, James course. Cameron. If I'm going to watch Avatar, somebody's getting paid off of it. I'll make sure of that. <laughs> yeah, I think Worthington's fine though. Like, I think he's he good enough in the movie. I'm not leaving Avatar being like, man, I. Where's Sam Worthington been? <laughs> no, I think he's good in this, and I can't wait to see him in the sequels, but I don't need to see a Sam Worthington renaissance. No way. But I would yeah. go see those movies if they made them, because if they made a third Clash of the Titans movie, it would be very funny. Oh, man. Speaking of actors, we're like an hour in now. Brandon, I know you're a big S.H.I.E.L.D. guy. No, not a mention of CCH Pounder yet. Who is she in the movie? She's the the mother the Navi. Oh, I didn't recognize her voice because she yeah. wasn't like, because like, she's speaking like <laughs> Davi the whole time. I'm like, she's not saying God damn it, Dutch. She wasn't yelling enough. She was too like, I'm used to hearing her scream and, and just like getting mad because Vic Mackey's getting away with crime again. <laughs> oh, that's what this movie needs. They should have put Vic Mackey. They should put Michael Chiklis in the sequels. Yeah. Yeah. That's what these movies need. You can play the whale in the new one. Did, um, Brandon, did you get the little preview for Avatar 2? In the mid-credits? Yeah, I stayed for that. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to be there when I got in there, and I was so happy when it started. We got an announcement. Some guy was like, oh, yeah, and I'm sure you're all excited to see a little clip from it. Avatar 2, and people were like, oh, genuine uh, shock and awe. Oh, yeah. Free, it's just Free Willy is going to be the new It's Just Dances with Wolves. <laughs> so, Charlie, you didn't see this. Uh, it's a clip. It's a, I'm assuming it's a kid. I'm assuming it's Jake Sully's kid. It could be any kid. I'm assuming it's our main character, so we spend a whole scene with him. And he's on top of this rock. And you're like, oh, he's on top of... Oh, look at that beautiful water. Look at that beautiful rock he's on top of. Oh, my God. And then the rock goes... It's an air hole. It's a whale. He's on top of a whale. Wow. And it's huge. And then he goes under the water, and he, like... There's, like, a harpoon in the whale, and he gets the harpoon out, and he befriends the whale, and they swim together, and it's really serene and beautiful. It's it's very... um. There's not much narrative in that, that uh Just trailer. a nice little it's, moment. It's, well, it's very much like it is. It looks like it is really going to be a movie about water, literally about water. It, it answered my question because, like, watching this movie in the theater, I'm like, it spends so much time developing, or not developing, but showing us the world. Because before there's a single, there's like two hours for you to an action sequence. There's just like two hours of we're hanging out in this world and he's exploring and learning the culture. And we're just slowly getting enveloped into this new place beyond Earth. And I was like, how do you do that again? Because I know what the big rhino buffaloes are. I know what the panther is. And I know what the dogs are. And I know what the dragons are. And the answer is, we have a whole ecosystem in the water. And we're going to have beautiful moments with all those creatures. But you see, um, again, I mentioned it earlier, the, the ending like montage where they, grab, they uh, mm-hmm. grab all the Navi from everywhere. They do have like the water Navi. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing... That was a uh, kind of there as a little bit, and mm-hmm. there's like a few other tribes of Navi. So yeah, there's really like five there's, there's tribes that more. they pull yeah. from at the end of the movie. Yeah, there's yeah. the people so of the fields. Little, little mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad to hear that um, 
he has a son because with all the talk recently i've been very interested in uh navi reproduction and how that all works so hopefully they can get that sorted out for everyone i think they're going to be born through the hair i will say that whatever version i rented to watch for this no uh no hair braid sex scene going on was not not present they didn't make the halo with each other <laughs> uh which is yeah that's so so this has been like a bit of a conversation thing <laughs> so that's only in the like blu-ray version it's but everyone thinks it's edition. in the real movie because it um, was. It's it is so like the theatrical edition is still your sex scenes very like it's very it's intimate. pretty yeah and it's like climbing on top of like whole like you know it's yeah. fucking full on riding they get, yeah they yeah, they're like getting yeah. into writing and then it fades to black like when you're doing a romance in Mass Effect and they're like cutting away before the sex happens and then and then the voiceover goes it's like we're mated for life or something which is like so much grosser than if they just cut to black it's like she's like she's like no just so you know audiences we had sex during the cut to mm-hmm. black. We had sex, <laughs> which is why the bulldozer have to come stop them because they had premarital and, sex. And in, in that way, uh, I wanted to add another read to the movie as um, James Cameron, the anime fan. Mm-hmm. So I think you could easily read Neytiri as kind of a, a what, what's the, a, a waifu type figure. <laughs> uh, because that scene also, you get that line and then you cut to... Uh, jake sully waking back up you know he he's had a dream that he's with you know asuka from sword Art online or whatever yeah um he's having and, to and, explain and, to everyone uh why he needs to change his underwear getting out of the uh the pod <laughs> they they catch him online buying figures of her well like a true anime fan he doesn't want to wash right that that comes up so like, when's the last time he took a shower but i do think uh james cameron has some anime tendencies because obviously natiri has the big ass eyes you know which look really cool and pretty um but when you look at the the clip from avatar 2 that's gone even more anime with like the face and the more circular face and the body's a little bit more that that slightly like uncomfortably underage looking vibe that that you get a little bit with Neytiri is is kind of growing as as the films come. So by Avatar five, you know it's going to be some Jeffrey Epstein. It's going to go chibi. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's such a funny touch to have her only wearing a necklace that always perfectly covers her oh, nipples. Oh god, that like, was very I'm interesting. Of, like Cameron explaining that to the animators yeah. like no, mm-hmm. nothing. There's nothing like you know, keeping it attached to her. It just that's just how it is all the time. She just puts tape there. Yeah, she's got some uh, pasties. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it's also funny when they when they set down Sigourney Weaver to revive her and the tree there's like as they set her down, one of the Navi carefully moves her arm so that it blocks her her boob. Yeah, it's a very nice. funny of like you could have just left her shirt on. No, you my, could. My have, crowd yeah. giggled with that at that a little bit because it is a very funny note that it, it is very purposeful of oh someone moved her. They were very respectful. We want to make sure that no one sees. Yeah, that's not what this whole process is about. My crowd didn't laugh at anything. Mm. Uh, not awesome. even the jokes. <laughs> That's respectful. You don't want to be laughing during jokes. They were too drawn into the world. They're like, this is not no, the type actually, of joke, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also the movie is not interested in being funny. There's like little fucking stupid quips. Yeah, but, but... it doesn't undercut itself with them. No. Like no. The, there's little, the, the jokes feel like, oh, that's something this character would say in this moment, but not necessarily Absolutely, like, yeah. oh, I'm undercutting the scene. Like it's I love kind the of like jokes in like a film noir or something. That, that it's not like a joke joke. It's just like a line of dialogue that is funny. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's I, not, but it's supposed to be. Like, yeah, Rabisi's going really hard. I think he's giving a very funny performance. Uh, Charlie, I have to ask, at the end of the movie, does Rabisi turn to them and say, this isn't over? Yeah, he said, I'll be back in Avatar But 2. did Charlie <laughs> see that? I do oh. not remember that. Because it was not in the theatrical edition. That was in the special Wait, edition. What? It's the only special edition thing they put into the re-release. Because I guess it was a sequel tease they 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 recorded but didn't put in the theatrical movie. And for the re-release, they're like, make sure he puts in the line. So it's as they're walking off the planet, they're getting they're getting yeah, yeah, escorted yeah. off of the West. No, uh, that did not onto the ships the to go back. They're getting escorted back onto their boats to go back to Europe. Um he like stops and he turns to Jake Sully and goes, I'll be back. This isn't over, you know. Or something like yeah, that. It's yeah. very much like some like super super sequel Beatty line. Yeah, it's it's basically uh-huh. James Bond will return. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was really. thinking about that line when it happened because it's six years to Earth, right? Yeah, six. So the, they're they're going to fly six years back to Earth, and then six years to get back to Pandora. Perfect. Baby, we're thirteen years from the release of Avatar. He planned this plan. all along. He planned it. He just got back. <laughs> It's been 12 years. Damn. Perfect. I, d- I like um, that they do have, you know, to as the, the plot mechanic for getting Jake Sully and Sigourney Weaver back into the avatars, they have Giovanni Ribisi draw the line at, like, killing children and babies. Mm-hmm. They're like, please give us another chance. There's children in there. And he's like, uh, you get one hour to save these children <laughs> before I yeah. blow them yeah. up. It's not, he doesn't draw a hard line at the killer. He's like, okay, well, we won't kill them for a hour just so I can maybe get better press. <laughs> he, has a, he has a great line where he's like, investors hate, the only thing investors hate more than killing women and children or bad press is a bad quarterly report. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, hey, we, we will kill women and children if we have to. It's, yeah, and they go in because Jake Sully, being way too open in his vlog entries, like if like you know the deal, why are you saying that they're never going to leave or whatever in your official journal entries? I think that's that from before one of he the, had like, turned. Th- that was one of the parts though where I feel like the narrative does a little bit of like roughing, uh, smoothing out the edges, right? Because obviously. Jake literally, God, we haven't even explained the plot. So Jake is going. <laughs> Everyone's seen at, Avatar. Yeah, I know, but no one remembers it. It has no cultural. <laughs> um, you mean an hour, almost an hour and a half into this recording, we haven't talked about what the movie's about? Look, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, Jake is going as the Avatar to hang out with the Navi to get information to mm-hmm. send back to uh, he's the a spy. evil. Yeah, he's a spy. He's like a spy. in Burn Notice. Um, and, He's a culture vulture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, back to Pandora. Um, and so, yeah. So Jake is literally betraying the Navi, collecting information that kind that directly, kind of leads to their destruction. Mm-hmm. But then they have to add that, like it's something he said in a vlog, like kind of half asleep, kind of like not really wanting to. Do. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was a little bit of yeah. a like we're gonna make this a little bit easier, which is just part of I think Cameron's like crowd thinking he doesn't want to have him be too guilty Cause, but cause, it did feel a right, bit like two, dramatic because they're, they're right there's like two levels of the jake sully like subterfuge he's he's just supposed to like take notes on their behavior for scientific purposes but then he's also making yeah. other logs 
for Stephen Lang to be like, this is the intel you need to destroy them. And instead of pulling from the information he's giving for evil purposes, they pulled from the information he's giving just for scientific and like diary mm-hmm. purposes. Well, yeah. I mean, it doesn't really make like it's just a VO for the movie. Like mm-hmm. it it introduces that like the movie voiceover is his like scientific logs or whatever. But then it doesn't he's like narrating things in real time in times when he wouldn't have been giving like scientific vlogs. So like I don't think the movie cares really like it just seems weird to reintroduce it right there. You're so right because I chuckled to myself at the very ending when uh, he says, well, This is my last log. <laughs> like, you're still doing this? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you're fucking still logging. He's doing, it, he's doing it in an empty room, too. It's yeah. like, he, it's like Ferris Bueller coming in at the end of the movie and telling you why you're still in the audience. It's like a Twitch streamer streaming to no one, you know? <laughs> yeah. As most of them do. Dude, yeah. Jake Sully doing like a bathtub stream. Oh, he's God. like in a bathing suit. He's doing one of those little, he put a blow up pool with his avatar. He's just in his normal Navi outfit, which is basically less than that. Yeah. One of his entries is just a mukbang. He's eating like 10,000 calories worth of food <laughs> in his pod. Oh, man. Like like a Navi version of that one. What's, I don't remember his name. It was the Chinese dude who drinks a lot. The Navi version of that guy. Oh, yeah. That guy's awesome. So much more. Do we ever see the Navi eating? Yes, uh, when when Jake Sully first gets told he's okay, you can join because uh, when he goes to the tribe, they they don't want they don't trust him. Then they're like, "Wait, you're dumb. We do trust you." Uh, so they take him, and the first place that Natiri takes him is everyone's eating, and they're eating with their hands out of these like bowls. But that's it. I, also, well, he was, eats a fruit. She throws a fruit at him, and he takes. Yeah. It yes. Yes. I was thinking of that too because she just like tosses him something to test his like. Uh, motor reflexes and he just immediately bites into the first thing really he grabs he's like a baby like it gives him the or just like a rock <laughs> I, yes i do really love uh when he first like wakes up in the avatar body 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 avatar party um, and they're like snapping next to his ears which are like reacting and like the whole wiggling says that whole bit of like waking up in the navi body it it's so good it's just like it's the best scene in the whole movie, uh, I think. And like him, like taking his first run outside. It's yeah. very like I, I don't know. It got to it's me. It's playful. This time. It's playful in a way that the movie obviously can't stay because it has to mm-hmm. have stakes and build to this incredible action climax. But like that part of the beginning is so playful. Like the actual the first hour of, my, of the movie, I think, is my favorite when it's about this playful exploration of this new world. And that and moment I like specifically that the, is so beautiful. That Cameron lets that like. I don't know that logic of the character of, of him wanting and that that of the power of the feeling of being in this other body of, of, of escaping of escapism. Right. He he trusts in that power so innately that like he just follows it just keeps pushing. And that's kind of like the whole movie. Right. Like there's not that much to it, but just the sense of it pushes it through that pure feeling of escape. You just keep running through it. You know, now that I'm I'm thinking of what we've been talking about, I'm wondering how it plays for y'all the uh the scene at the end of the movie when after he like fights the he has the big mech fight with steven oh, they have the mech knife i have yeah. to just mention that once just that is i fucking love the mech design it has this eight foot long knife um uh. i there's a like immediately after that natiri like 
takes Jake Sully's like human body from the pod and like puts his mask on and they have like a I see you moment with mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. Like yeah, I'm I'm not really sure how I think that like Ooh. plays on well, again, I think that's another failure that comes from the literalism. Yeah. Because it takes this, like, spiritual phrase, I see you, and turns it into, no, I, I actually mm-hmm. see, you know, they play on the irony of I see you, I see you as you are. And yet, like, fucking two scenes later, he's actually being transferred to a Na'vi body. So that idea doesn't follow, right? Yeah. She's not seeing him, because him is the mm-hmm. Na'vi. Right. That's yeah, that's the what point. the movie's been telling you the whole time. To have this moment of, like, I finally see the real you in his human body. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that scene actually works really well. Cause I think it's the first time that we meld between those two characters, the live action and the CG elements. Mm, and that's the interesting. At once those elements come together at the moment that those characters finally see their true selves. And yes, Jake Sully is his spirit as it inhabits the avatar. And that's no less a true self than his human form, but in a way that he's, she is seeing the underlying like, original self finally and, and it's last time she'll see it because he's about to give it up and i that's think that's the moment the two the two worlds made. touch yeah. right they cross the rubicon that's an interesting read i think i i think still like narratively it's a bit mushy but i think that's very interesting and know, i think the emotion plays really well between those two characters like that that scene hits me when she gets and puts the mask on i do like that like they literally can't breathe on the world like mm-hmm. they seem to be so incompatible with it and yet there's like a deeper uh, yearning for it. I think that's cool. It's just a cool little detail. That was true of North America too when we first when people first got here. Oh really? When I didn't know first that. got here, yeah, you could, we couldn't breathe it. I think that's why they had to plant so much like corn. Ah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the opposite though, where the Europeans brought a bunch of pathogens that just immediately killed like <laughs> two that's thirds true. of all the that's Native true. Americans. Uh, yeah, the him. I'm. I hate to like jump around so much it's just like uh but like the him running around at the beginning scene it does introduce like that there's a bunch of other people piloting avatar bodies that the movie mm-hmm. just is not concerned with after like <laughs> that original well, they're just the basketball team it's fine <laughs> <laughs> they have yeah they okay, have okay. Uh, avatar versus omedikai basketball <laughs> game at once a year that was the one CGI design I don't like is the Sigourney Weaver Navi. I do think that looks weird. I think it's supposed the to face. be. It's the okay. nose. Yeah, like I, think, t-shirt. I think of it's a, supposed to be like an earlier iteration of the, that makes the sense, bodies, actually. right? That, that's like a, a prototype that she's piloting that she would have been one of okay, the first. That, that works. Because that it has works. a lot more human features than the other ones. Yeah. That's... Uh, What's going on in my head, at least? No, 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 that that totally makes sense, doesn't it? If you think about it, it's it's not addressed, but it does make sense. It's probably somewhere that mm-hmm. was the idea, right? It just wasn't necessarily uh, told. So, I think I want to mention so we haven't talked about specific scenes as much, just like the set piece sequences. The first flight is incredible. Like it comes like an hour and a half into the movie, and it's the first mm-hmm. like spectacle scene of just like, oh, we're gonna show you like pure beauty of this world of like here he is flying when he gets that when the flight works and you just have this giant expanse of pandora that he's soaring through is it is incredible to look at in a theater uh i'm sure it doesn't play well the it's the home. first scene of of wonder in mm-hmm. an actiony context yeah. right because there's a bunch of scenes where 
where he's wandering through Pandora and lots of little mm. plants do shit. That that stuff's very wonderful. This is a, such a scale first, like, that we don't see until yeah, this Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the fucking uh, floating mountains, they look so cool. Yeah, your mountains? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, they look fucking awesome. Yeah, they still um, do. <laughs> the little bit immediately after they fly where like him and Natiri are describing what they just did is like a really nice little thing to include where he's like mm. oh yeah i banked so hard and they're like using their hands to like show the cool flying shit that they just did like little kids their relationship like is really cute the way it builds they, they just she's like hates him calls him a little baby at the beginning of the movie and then by then they're just like in love again isn't that pure anime like yeah. the sundere like <laughs> bullying you yes. so, you know what i mean I like that when it's revealed that like he mated with this woman uh, with uh, Natiri that no one's <laughs> did like. You pl- I really did appreciate your offensive Navi accent. Uh, it's not offensive because I'm doing <laughs> Navi, who which isn't a real culture. <laughs> uh, um, maybe, but to yeah, you, how it's real to fucking me. dare you? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's even worse. When they when it's like revealed that he had relations with Natiri, um, no one's like, ooh, weird. They're all like they they all understand that the Navi are hot. It's like bad that yeah. he did it for their like situation, but they're like, Oh, okay, yeah. That's something The the movie very much thinks the Navi it's quite a horny movie <laughs> in, in often unexplicit ways. Like the choice to have just have her like tits out, but yeah. you just don't see them. Mm-hmm. But you almost do, you know. You could imagine. Oh, I could imagine. And all the all, <laughs> and all, all the guys are like perfectly, you know, they're these perfect slim. For, they can't. They kind of actually. They look like kind of certain certain generation of anime characters, like Code Geass. Anyone remember that? Like that super thin anime ish design from a certain period. Yeah, they're they're, they're Twinkie anime boys. Yeah, but the long ones, you know, they're long. I was just reading an excerpt where uh, Roger Ebert was getting all horned up for the Navi. Of course, of funny. course. Oh, well, I'm surprised because they're kind of they're kind of you know sleek. I know his taste kind of leans towards the more uh, buxom. Yeah, he wants a buxom Navi. <laughs> uh, maybe that's one of the other tribes. Oh, he never. That's that so his, yeah, he never got to see him. That was his big problem uh, with the movie. <laughs> Not enough cleavage. Yeah. He needs his rated R avatar. Did uh, did Roger Ebert like it? Sorry, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I don't know what he thought about this movie. Yeah, I don't know either. I didn't read the full review. I just saw someone <laughs> had like clipped that little part where he was like saying the Navi were sexy. <laughs> I well, loved it. He gave it four stars. Him. Okay, cool. he loved it. Cameron retains his crown as the headline. Damn. What? So we talked about like initial viewings. What what did y'all think about it in like two thousand nine, two thousand ten? I was very young. I wasn't into movies, or uh, well, I wasn't that young. I was like an early teenager. I wasn't into movies. I found it again. I had a physical headache for most of it, so yeah. it didn't really uh, leave a strong mark on me, to be honest. I, I really dug it. I thought it was like a return to form for Cameron because at the time, like. I was one of those annoying kids that didn't like Titanic because it was Cameron making a girl movie and I was like six when it came out. So I was like, this is dumb. He should be making more movies about robots that kill people. And then finally I was 18 and he had made another action movie for me again. 
the thing about Avatar, I, so I really liked it. I thought it was great. Like, it's a movie that I've always liked. Like, I didn't like, I'm not giving it five out of five. I, I you know, I really liked it and love it. Um, my opinion at the time was incredible set pieces. No one can watch the finale and think it's a bad movie. Uh, still feel that today. But what's fascinating about the movie is like, it felt to me as an 18 year old uh, boy, like, oh, he made a movie. He made a cool movie again. But he actually made mm-hmm. both. What I think is interesting about this movie is it's the synthesis of like the two kinds of Camerons. It's it's Cameron yeah, making totally, totally. a romantic movie that like if you're into sweet romances, like you can like this movie. And if you're into action movies, that's there too. And I think that's epitomized on the poster where the poster says from the director of Terminator 2 and Titanic, as if to say <laughs> both boys and girls can like this movie. Although to be fair, I think he is like honing that idea mm-hmm. in Titanic because obviously the action in Titanic oh, is yeah. really exciting actually. Well, but, but obviously it has that super soppy like mm-hmm. central thing that is gonna yeah, as a young boy, I imagine it's not very appealing. Yeah, I, I was, love Titanic. I was wrong, sure. but as a kid, that's how I, I was not into it. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's actually a great movie. But yeah, like uh, Avatar feels like he nails the balance of like I think that's why the movie made two point nine billion dollars. Yeah, like, yeah. There is something for everybody in the movie. So I dug it. It it, To me, it felt like the return of Cameron as spectacle creator, Cameron as the greatest uh, blockbuster action director of America. To that point, uh, actually, funnily enough, my my watching it this time on the right side of me was like a a dad with his young child, like Tanish, who fucking loved the movie and thought it was cool and awesome. On my left was three girls who were like, I don't know, young teenagers 13 14 I, I don't know um but uh so the the kid thought it was the, the the male kid or whatever thought it was awesome the girls uh cried during multiple scenes and talked at the end how beautiful and lovely it was so uh, it was it still worked it still plays when i saw it there was a couple behind me and i i don't know but the guy uh the woman and the couple spoke during the movie uh and i could tell that she had not seen it before because she was a lot of like, oh no, what's gonna happen? And then being like, oh, and then like cheering and being really excited. Like she was enraptured. I think like sounded like she loved it. And it was very nice like, hearing someone watch a movie for the first time and getting a sense of like, this person's really digging this movie they've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And is like excited for a sequel because this movie so like took her away um to another world in a way that like, you know, even as a 13-year-old movie. I mean, the people who I saw it with both sides were either only just born or not born when the first one came out, you know. Um, Charlie, what did you think about it in 2009? Oh, man, I really I've I've been an Avatar defender the whole time. I was like Mm -hmm. very surprised because I was like 17, 18. I was like very, um, you know, primed to be like super cynical and uh Mm -hmm. dismissive of something like this i was very surprised by like how into it i was when it came out uh i think i'm was actually higher on it then than i am now Mm. like it had such Mm -hmm. an impactful and like visceral initial uh screening effect that i think it's kind of diminished a little bit i think seeing it home probably is why too yeah that that definitely wouldn't have helped because i can say like i saw in the theater and this time I saw it, uh, my th- since then and now, the city that I now live in has a IMAX that has a laser projector, which means like perfect contrast, HDR, it's 4K. It is so much so much a better theater experience than what I had back then. It felt like watching it for the first time again. 
it would it wowed me just as much as it did back then, which I don't think it would at home. Even though I have a 65 inch TV, it doesn't matter. It's never going to be the same as like a giant screen. And it's not in 3D. Yeah. Unless you have a 3D TV. I am so it. mad they don't make those anymore. I kept waiting for them to like get the tech right because 3D TVs never quite got as good as like theater 3D. Can you get it on the 3DS maybe? I, w- I wonder if homebrew people are hacking Avatar onto the 3DS. Someone must have. Well, they they should. I do. I think I have a 3D version of Alita. That's how late they were still selling 3D movies. But no one has a 3D TV. No, they didn't produce them. Um, I mean, I was probably kind of similar on the movie both times. Well, no, this time I thought it was a really fascinating movie. And it's fascinating in the way it exists in relation to blockbusters as kind of the last genuine escapist movie. One that's not like pointing to itself. Because, you know, mm-hmm. the 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 Marvel movies, I think one of their primary traits is the... <laughs> Uh, yeah, that ha- you know that you know that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But what that stuff does is it 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 points to the artifice of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, when when they go, oh, uh, you're called that. That's really dumb. It it, it makes the movie feel. Uh, it winks at the audience and says, "Don't worry, we know it's silly too. You don't yes. have to take it seriously." But also because the interconnectedness of the Marvel movies, and I haven't seen all the recent ones. I I I, I you know I can't. I can't be watching fucking Marvel television shows. Like, come on, fucking Watch get real, bro. I, I, ain't, I ain't doing that shit. Um, but um, the, the way they're interconnected is kind of like very false and, and bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't feel like they're part of the same world. It feels like movies referencing other movies mm-hmm. that like on some level exist. The consistency is fucking not there. People are like, Kevin Feige, he's a fucking genius. It's like, no, he isn't. He hasn't planned out that well. All the movies are pretty like cul-de-sac-y, you know, just with like some characters. I think a bit less these days from what I understand, but I, I don't know. Um, but you know what I mean? Like that that sense of interconnectedness is not immersive. It's not like I'm going into the Marvel world. It's, yeah. um, I'm seeing a thing I know. Whereas and and, and like the whole... Sincere. Completely sincere and completely about believing in that world you know it's strange because like i never understood the like go-to like knock on avatar is people saying like oh it's it's just pocahontas in space and like like first of all i think it is doing more than that but second if that's what it was that sounds fucking awesome like (laughs) what's why would you not want to see pocahontas i love sci-fi and i love dances with wolves i don't see the problem the thing is, though, that, that a lot of the criticism that, like, garnered for this movie, like, in the years after, and obviously some of the time, was from a very bad time for film discussion yeah. in terms of the internet. You know, uh, I mean, Brandon, you put in uh, our little group chat a clip from the Nostalgia Critic <laughs> video, which is a recent video, but, uh, he, uh, <laughs> uh, but he, he's a formative thinker of the mm. internet movies at that time. That's just a fucking fact. As, as embarrassing and painful. There's no recent nostalgia critic video. Like, even ones that he's released recently are from a different time. <laughs> I mean, I actually watched some of this Avatar one but while I was waiting for this call to start. And it is, I mean, it's fucking all the stuff that Pocahontas, no new ideas, blue, sex, you know, all, all the fucking dumbass mm. beats from the time. It was a very stupid time for film criticism. Not that, that now isn't, of course. I mean, anyone who follows any of us on film Twitter um, sees sees that we are just <laughs> as, you know, villainous a presence as Doug. But, no, um... We are a heroic presence here in the Dallas <laughs> Cinema Club. I wanted to be clear about that. 
But um, yeah, it was a weird time, right? And fucking stupid bad faith bullshit was around everywhere. And a lot of the, I don't even think it's, a, it's you know, the, the, the problems of the movie are fairly like, of it's, it's you know, it's a pretty shallow uh, narrative and like character experience. It's written right? like a cartoon. But, yeah, it's written like a fucking cartoon, um, for, for better and for worse. But, you know, then something you can say about it. You can find that not very engaging. Um, I don't like CGI action stuff very much. And this is good CGI action stuff uh, for the most part, but it's not, you know, it just doesn't engage me very much. Yeah. Like, I kind of check out at that point a little bit, and I'm like, I'll watch the cool stuff, but I'm not really, like, uh, engaging with it. That finale um, gets me, like... The bird, like the dragons coming in, and they're grabbing the the helicopters and throwing them around. Uh, the moment where like the dudes in the in the forest have guns and they're they're like, killing all the horseback horsemen, and then like the basically, hey, what if the buffalo had their revenge on American settlers? That's great. I love that because that's what <laughs> I happens love that. in this movie. The yeah, buffalo yeah, yeah. are rhinos, but it's like literally. What if the oh, creatures, awesome. it's the buffalo and the wolves. It's the creatures that we almost drove to extinction or did drive to extinction in, in, in North America coming and fighting off the colonizers. That's awesome. The yeah. buffalo didn't heed Awa's call. They should have, <laughs> yeah. Oof. But yeah, the critiques of this movie are not that uh, the ones people say, you know. The, the generic received wisdom ones that the shockingly people are still reciting on Twitter to this day, you know, the fucking no cultural impact, blah, blah, blah. All of that is like almost not worth engaging with. And, and I think like what this movie does, I mean, yes, the story's simplistic and yes, it is just, you can say it's just Ferngully. You can say it's just Pocahontas. You can say it's just Dances with the Wolves. And yes, my argument would be, that's cool. I don't care. Like that. I like it the way it is because the rest of it's so good. But I would say, I think I said this at the start, what this movie does that sets itself apart is how it tells the story visually and how it draw, how it so fully develops a world. And this movie develops a world to a level of success that is not often seen in completely original made for film projects because like it draws you in and it creates a world that feels realized as much as something like Lord of the Rings or Dune can. But those are movies that are pulling from these deep, written works that they have the benefit of being like oh frank herbert oh J.R. tolkien did this work for us that's what we can pull yeah. from whereas avatar has to craft all those elements itself and write it in the background not put all of it on screen obviously because there's only so much time but give you the impression that not only does this culture exist as it's displayed on screen but there's more you're not seeing which mm-hmm. not every movie can do this successfully with a wholly unique made for this yeah because story. in 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 um like tolkien and, and herbert they literally are only pulling fragments that that would like suggest a wholeness because that wholeness mm-hmm. exists but cameron has to actually invent the fragments yes. yeah um, and yeah yeah that, like, that's a great point saying that it is just pocahontas it's like totally refusing to engage with like the main crux of the movie which is like John Smith never like body swaps into a Native American mm-hmm. body. Like, I don't. Understand. He doesn't fly in a dragon. I don't understand how you can just like completely dismiss like what the movie is about mm-hmm. to like. I don't know. It just doesn't track it. It is not really worth engaging with because it. It's. I mean, it's think it, it's those people who talk about movies only in terms of like writing. You mm-hmm. know, they think of movies as basically like a piece of text. Um, that you can like describe the events and that's the story. Mm-hmm. But obviously, like that's not what a movie is, you know. 
I mean, you could describe many great movies in a very simple way, but like the actual experience is, is the movie. You know? right. the, the movie isn't the things that happen in it. Yeah. It's, it's the experience of watching those things play out. It's a, it's a very like, you know, um, narrative only way of, it reminds me of, this is a really pointless and stupid tangent, but I just want to say it. I saw a video that ranked all the uh, Land Before Time movies and they egregiously put the first one like third and it's like the only movie that has any like formal oomph to it that actually feels not like a fucking piece of television and that just shows that way of thinking like say what you will about land before time one it's a fucking (laughs) cool visceral movie you know right real dead end tangent on that one i'd like to uh jake silly does a bunch of like you can eventually you can kind of read him like running as like him doing it's gender affirming right he is like, mm-hmm. although in this case, the gender he's reaffirming is his masculinity. It's his strength as he would have run again. Uh, he does another gender affirming thing later, I think, when he he like his his friends dying. And the first thing he thinks is, I need to get a Mustang to be cool to win my girlfriend back. And he goes and he gets the dragon and he flies it back to his ex and he drives it up against his ex's house and he yells at her. Hey, I'm back. And then she is so impressed by his new car. that She gets back with him. That's true. Um, you know what we haven't talked about? I mean, I guess we kind of hit all the beats, but I just want to give it a cursory mention is the um, Avatar fucking melancholy syndrome, whatever it's called. Yeah. Was it called? I don't know. I, I mean, it's I, I don't know how true this is because I looked it up. Uh, I did a little bit of research uh, as is obviously, you know, I, I know you guys always do your, your research really hard, mm-hmm. but I thought I'd contribute a little bit. Um but I failed to find so the forum where all these posts was a supposed thread about um, people being depressed about returning to Earth, wanting to go to Pandora, um, and of course that makes a lot of sense because that's literally the text of the movie mm. is like um, because if you read it in this dream way of like um, which is you know explicitly brought up in the movie of going to this other world of escaping of escapism of going to the movies. Um, I mean, the movie doesn't really justify why, but but simply out of pure like optimism and will, um, you should actually stay in escapist worlds forever. That's the point of the movie. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. and you should, right? You literally, you know, the, the very last shot of the movie is uh, Jake Sully uh, in the Avatar body, and his eyes wake up, and he's he's woke. He's awoken. He's awake for the first time for real. Right? He's actually woke woken up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I they know. play "Wake Up" by uh, Rage Against the Machine <laughs> into the credits. <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? Like that's literally the the the, the text of that yeah, scene. That's it's the, the final uh, image of the movie. This is the first time that all of the rest was a dream, and he now he says it's, it's his real. birthday. Importantly, that is his there birthday. That is an important yeah. day in his life. I mean, it makes sense to me that like some people out there that it would have that kind of outsized effect on. So I couldn't find any evidence of the tone of this thread because one would imagine the tone might be a little bit more ironical than um, than, than than the article suggests. But I think it's interesting that, that people thought of the movie that way because the movie invites you to think of it that way. And and in that way, uh, the movie is like uh, Existence, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's a lot in a lot of ways. It's like yeah, I don't know where the movie ended. Yeah, I'm still in Pandora, or still wish to be. But that sense of like the world feeling less real afterwards, which is again part of the text of the movie. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't like, I think it feels, I definitely think that feeling is there too. Like walking out of the theater being like, I need to like, for like 10 seconds, I need to like readjust. Oh, I'm like not watching the movie anymore. My eyes are now resting after being assaulted yeah. by 3d for three hours. I mean, that's the feeling when you walk out of a movie. Usually it's just fucking yeah. way more so. I mean, in fact, so much so that when I walked out, I like half walked into a door because I was so mm-hmm. like, <laughs> not quite back in reality yet. So it's, it it's a very overwhelming movie. Yeah. Especially because I sat like five rows from the front. So I, was, I, like, I sat six rows from the front. It was oh, the perfect spot. It was so good. It was perfect. The There's an episode of that show, How To with John Wilson, where he like, uh, happens onto and this like New York av- uh, Avatar fan club that's like still going all of these years later, and they like watch the movie weekly and they like talk about how it like saved their life and stuff. Which I'm sure there are, you know, other movies where you could find like super passionate fan bases that meet like that. But it it, it makes sense that they are they're out but there. But this one has that Avatar. in the text of the movie, yeah, you know, right. And so so successfully can you project yourself onto Jake Sully as he protects, projects himself into the Avatar that you can feel those exact feelings. The movie. And, and I, I liked your point earlier, Esme. Uh, I think you're getting at this idea that Jake Sully almost works as a as an analog to the experience of watching the movie. He's going yeah. through the journey yeah. we are of. Yeah. At first, he's like, "Oh, I'm here just I'm just here just because I was told to be here," and then slowly he falls in love with it and becomes one with it. I think that's also the experience of watching any movie really of just like being you've slowly being drawn into the world of the movie that you're watching. Yeah. That's the point, right? Yeah. we go At least that. in a, in an old Hollywood way of thinking, mm-hmm. which Cameron is in. Well, we did it. Solved avatar. We brought it back. We finally found a way to make it culturally relevant. Yeah. I think after we release this, <laughs> the sequel is going to be set up really well to succeed. Now that we put the word back out there. The 24th. And I'm pretty sure when you check the receipts for the box office mm. this weekend, we're going to see a big dad core bump going on. <laughs> I yeah. think you can track when I posted that we're doing this movie on Tuesday to those box offers. It's direct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we can say definitively before, you know, this week, they weren't selling any Avatar tickets exactly. in, th- in theaters. Every Avatar ticket they sell this year is going to be after we announce this episode. So, I mean, I think you really can't get more of a direct relationship than that. So, James Cameron, if you do want to, if you're, you know, I mean, my, just ask for my address, buddy. Or I can give you my Venmo. Just, uh, you know, we will take the money, please. I mean, we did help. We'll I take mean, that that's... 10% that Matt Damon left behind. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's open for any- if anyone wants to send us money, you know, don't feel like you need to be James Cameron to be sending us money. Also me separately. All right. Do we want to do final thoughts and final ratings? Thoughts. Yes. All right. I'll kick it off. Um, I think <laughs> if we uh, if we're doing our typical star thing, I think this is sitting around a four, three and a half ish. I'm definitely coming out of this viewing a little less high than I was going in. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sure I will make my way out to a theater and mm-hmm. it'll bump it back up that extra half stars or full star. Um, yeah, I, I think Cameron kind of threads the needle between being very generic and very iconic um, in a way that kind of just lets you take whatever you want. 
from this movie. Like mm-hmm. it's something where I don't really necessarily care how much of whatever reading I'm doing is intentional um, mm-hmm. to the text because I think it's there regardless. Um, yeah, a lot more interesting movie than I think a lot of people give credit for. Okay, I guess I'll go next. Um, <laughs> I think I find it a hard movie to know how to rate. I have no rating for it. I can't think of one. I haven't rated it on Letterboxd. I think it's a super interesting object that on some level succeeds so much at what it wants to do. And what it wants to do is something that is not really uh, being done anymore. And I also think that um, it has some strange internal contradictions, some like some of Cameron's uh, kind of boy brain kind of stops the movie from going all the way. (laughs) Uh, But I think it's fascinating. And I think it's a movie that makes sense and deserves in some sense to be um, the the second biggest movie of all time. I think it's, I think it's super interesting. And yeah, like you said, I I think people, despite it's like uh, on the surface simplicity, there is like a lot, a lot there to think about it's a movie really i came out of it thinking this is a movie really worth engaging with Mm -hmm. even if it's not Mm -hmm. my kind of movie necessarily Mm -hmm. and i really like this movie i think it's i think it's a hard one to write i think you're a hard one to rate i think you're right as may like i think of this movie it's like a five-star theatrical experience i there are few there are very few movies i can sit here and say oh you need to see this in a theater stronger than avatar of like you need to it's like lawrence of arabia avatar you know, similar quality movies. Uh, you, you need to see them in a theater. Uh, Lawrence Arabia still worth watching at home because it's still like an incredibly engaging story. Avatar, um, it's a movie you need to see in theaters. Like it is, it mm-hmm. benefits so much the expansiveness of it, the quality of the effects, the way it can draw you in. But like as a movie, I, I give it. I'm going to give it four stars in Letterbox when I rate it because mm-hmm. it is. It's like a five star experience in the theater, and it's like a four star movie for me. I really enjoy watching it. I I, I think it's like. I really especially love that first hour where it just sits with its world and just like draws you into it. It's mm-hmm. probably like the first hour and a half actually. And then I still love the action, but it's like the first hour and a half is just so unique to it mm-hmm. where it takes its time. So we is so long, but it uses that time so well. Uh, it might be a simple story, but it draws you in despite that simplicity because of the way it's crafted. Cameron, you know, despite some of the goofy names like unobtainium or just some of the goofy over the top cartoon performances, which I actually think are a benefit. I love Steve Lang. I love Rubisi in this movie. Um, but his craft is so high, just so incredibly high. I can't deny him as an image maker um, or how engaging this movie is just to sit there and watch. Uh, I really like Avatar. I, I'm about where I was when I watched it. I think I have it at like a three and a half on LB right now, just because I was hedging on my memories of it. I'm going to mm-hmm. give it four. It's great. Yeah. Thanks so much for uh, coming on. And bring us Avatar, Esme. Thank you. I, I, I don't remember why I chose this because we talked about doing this for a long time. But I'm really <laughs> glad I did and I had a reason to think about this movie. And, and, yeah, it was yeah. it was one where I was like, I'm like, I don't know if Esme likes that movie, but I can't wait to talk to her about it. Yeah, I don't know if I like it. I know, you know, I do like it. If nothing else, I do like it. As for next week, Charlie, what are we, what are we doing? Horror. Are we doing next week's our first horror movie? We're doing horror movies all October, people. I don't know what we're doing. Charlie, are we doing ants or are we doing vampires? I think we're doing vampires. Yeah, vampires. Ants good. with Woody Allen. No, uh, <laughs> my, my, I, was, I was stuck between doing them, the 1954 giant ants movie, or Captain Chrono's Vampire Hunter, which is Hammer Productions doing an action horror movie. Yeah, I think we should do that one. <laughs> Captain Chrono's Vampire Hunter. It's sort of like Blade. I'm feeling like the White Blade next week. 
Uh, mm. So we're doing that. Until next time, uh, I have been Brandon. You can follow me on Twitter at that one guy 64 Follow the podcast at Dadcore Cinema. Website dadcorecinema.club or just listen to it on your podcast app wherever you got it. Probably pretty good. Esme, where can we find you? Uh, so I'm on Twitter, Esme Says, with two S's at the end. And my blog where I write about movies is esme-notes.ghost.io. I can't afford a custom URL. Please read her writing. She's very smart. Uh, I'm trying to think the most, when I'm thinking of I think you're a piece on Ambulance. I was thinking that she says my favorite movie of the year. Your piece on Ambulance is really good. I also uh, have some writing coming to some other places soon. Awesome. So look out. Uh, Esme is very smart. Please read. Charlie, where can we find you? I'm the Tumboy. Follow while you can. I just crossed <laughs> a thousand followers, so it's very uh, possible that my account gets too annoying and I deactivate. So <laughs> you just gotta mute everybody. Yeah. Until next time. However, Natiri calls me Skoeng. It means podcaster. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. Bye.